Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast. My name is Nina Sunday and our interview today is geared for experienced and aspiring managers in the workplace. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Irina Yashin Shaw and she's been a thought leader, author and practitioner in, in, the, in the realm of innovation, creativity and entrepreneurialism long uh, before they became workplace imperatives, which they definitely are now. She's on a mission to liberate underutilized talent within our workplace. And right now she's helping to spearhead the entrepreneurialism movement in Australia and beyond by founding the Global Entrepreneurs Institute. She's held a Global Entrepreneurs Summit and she's founder and editor in chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. It is a true pleasure and honour to meet with you today, Dr. Irina. Welcome. Thank you so much, Nina. And first of all, let me say a huge thank you for inviting me to be on your wonderful podcast and for just, you know, uh, giving me another channel by which to get these, these messages out. So very much appreciated, delighted to be here. Well, I've been following your progress over many years and I've got a copy of your book, Entrepreneur, and I think the whole concept of entrepreneur, I mean, Seth Godin wrote the book Lynchpin, which is in some respects uh, touches on similar themes. And the whole idea of um, to gain energy and creativity within the workplace as an employed person within the workplace, as a way to um, for self-leadership and self-expression, I think it's a wonderful thing. But perhaps I really should ask you, what is an entrepreneur? <laughs> that's always a good starting point, uh, especially because it's it surprises me, but that's because I live and breathe this 24-7, uh, that many people haven't come across that term. Even now, uh, there's been so much exposure around this topic, um, increasingly so over the last uh, couple of years and certainly over the last few months. But uh, the term entrepreneur is very well known, but entrepreneur less so. So to define that, to start with, um, Essentially, it is someone who has that entrepreneurial bent, so that enterprising spirit, that that desire to think and act like an entrepreneur, but while working inside an organization or a business or, or some enterprise, uh, rather than taking that enterprising spirit and stepping out to start their own business. So in essence, it's someone who's an entrepreneur while working inside an organization. Very simple, very simple answer. And is it important for organizations to keep their entrepreneurs so that they don't leave and start their own oh. business? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, like I can't even begin to say how important it is. That is, that's really going to the to the heart of the the reason why this whole entrepreneurialism movement is so important right now. I believe that intrapreneurs are the lifeblood of organizations. And especially as we start to come out of COVID and as organizations are beginning to look at how they're going to proceed and work and be and redesign and transform themselves in this, this new landscape that we find ourselves in post COVID, 
the intrapreneurs in an organization are going to be probably the most important of all employees. So any business that's hoping to, you know, re remain relevant or, or grow their profile, be robust, bring a renewed energy into the marketplace, they are going to absolutely need their intrapreneurs because it'll be the intrapreneurs who will facilitate all of that because they are the ones who will find the problems to solve and and figure out how to you know make that organization so much more viable and um and s serve customers more effectively do all the things that they need to do in order to be future future ready intrapreneurs are either the managers or the people that they lead, what are the attributes of an entrepreneur? Great question, Nina. Uh, intrapreneurs are often those employees who ask the difficult questions. So they're the ones who are likely to step up and challenge the status quo and say, why are we doing it this way? And they're the ones that are not satisfied with the answer, oh, because we've always done it this way. So these are the people who will see opportunities and will identify worthy problems that could be solved that aren't currently being looked at by the organization so they'll often be identified number one by their question asking and number two by their desire to step up and do something so they're not just the question askers they're also the the action takers so they're sometimes referred to as the dreamers who do so they're the people who uh, can use their creativity to spot opportunities, but then they also take action on them. It's not like the case of, oh, I've come up with a great idea. Now it's up to so-and-so to go ahead and progress it. But they're the people who are prepared to like roll their sleeves up and solve those problems. So I think the best way of finding them is to look for the people who ask lots of questions that move the organization forward. Could it be that the ones that offer suggestions for improvement, is that an attribute? Yes, yes. And, well and done. so it's very important that those suggestions be harnessed in a way that the, uh, the people making those suggestions feel like they will be actioned because if people make suggestions and it goes nowhere, is that demotivating for people? Yes, that's, that's a, it's an interesting point because uh, sometimes so th th this whole suggestion uh, issue can be a little bit fraught because on the one hand we want people to make suggestions absolutely on the other hand if the suggestions don't align with the strategic goals of the organization or they're so out of left field that people really can't see what the value in, in them are then they're not likely to get picked up and this is one of the things that entrepreneurs have to be very careful about which is that they do understand the strategic direction of the organization very clearly so that when they do make suggestions it can look like they're actually suggestions that will add value to the organization because sometimes otherwise they, they you know, and, and once again this is this there's no hard and fast answer to this because sometimes those absolutely out of left field suggestions are the ones that cause the disruptive innovation and help the organization to operate at a horizon three level of innovation rather than just in continuous improvement but the entrepreneur needs to do some groundwork if they're going to be able, if they're going to make those 
completely out of the box, completely out of left field, very far reaching disruptive suggestions. They need to do a lot of groundwork so that the, the people who hear that can be ready to hear that. So we want all kinds of suggestions coming through for an organization to be robust in the future. And those suggestions can be about continuous improvement, tactical improvement, strategic improvement, uh, disruption, so it's very difficult to say on a blanket level that um, anyone who makes suggestions uh, is necessarily going to be well received or not. Uh, it, they have to be very carefully considered. Yes. When you work and consult with an organisation, what processes do you suggest they uh, build in to their uh, culture to, to foster an entrepreneurial culture? Okay. So... Uh, often starts with uh, identifying the entrepreneurs. So I already mentioned before that one way of doing that is to, um, you know, look for the people who are asking questions. And then, as you said, the people who are uh, offering suggestions. And there are other ways too, you can, you can profile your workforce. And um, I partner with a really wonderful organization in Silicon Valley called Swarm Vision, and they've got um, a wonderful profile that enables organizations to identify their entrepreneurs very clearly. So there are different ways of doing that. Um, so start start with that. And then, and then the next really important thing is to give people permission to experiment, permission to think differently, permission to use their creativity, permission to put their hand up and say, actually, I think we could do this in a different way or in a better way. Uh, and by doing so, not uh, draw any criticism or ire of, uh, of the powers that be, because if, if people make suggestions and they're just shot down, then they'll stop making suggestions. So that's part of the culture. You know, it needs to be welcoming of of uh, people's ideas then i think it's really important to give people some sort of um uh some sort of support and education and training or upskilling or capacity building because it's not fair to say to people ah oh, we we want to be more innovative go forth and innovate now and then it's like the deer caught in the headlights look so there does need to be i believe some capacity building in order to help people learn the processes and the methodologies and then give them a chance to experiment and give them a safe space where they can um, do things differently where if things don't work out like they're supposed to it's there's there's no, not this sense of oh you've failed no and then when they do it well celebrate them and and uh, congratulate them and give people encouragement and then other people will see what's happening and they'll go oh actually they experimented with something it didn't work out like it was supposed to but they were supported all the way through it and then that over time builds that culture of entrepreneurialism where people will begin to feel safe to to make those suggestions and do things differently so I'm wondering if there's any, you know, the top three ways to make sure that they can harness entrepreneurialism of, of their people. So, for example, uh, making sure that most team meetings once a week, there's five minutes for idea generation or or do they put up a Kaizen board where people can actually post their suggestions there or um, or is it? managers making sure they have one-on-one -on -one meetings with uh, with their staff at least once a month so that they can ask there might be some um, 
specific questions that you might recommend a manager asks a staff member if they're having a one-on-one -on -one meeting. So can you sort of speak to that? Like what suggestions can you tell the managers that are listening in today? <laughs> Another great question. I think that the, the most important thing is number one, to raise awareness around the concept of intrapreneurialism in whatever way available. Okay, so um, for example, I, you mentioned at the beginning when you introduced me that uh, that I've founded the Global Entrepreneurs Institute. Now, one of the things that we've just done, because we're still sort of in startup mode, but we've just launched a corporate offering. and. And that offering is a package of resources that's designed to be given to managers and leaders inside the organization to take and run with them as they see fit with their teams. So there's PowerPoint decks, there's notes, there's, there's readings, there's videos, and we're just uh, recommending that managers either spread them out over a series of meetings so they actually do raise awareness around this around this concept um, or they could do like a, a half day off-site where they take their teams away and really um, bed down the language around entrepreneurialism and what it means and how it can be unleashed there's an assessment that uh, that managers can do to say well let's have a look at these these 10 characteristics of <clears throat> intrapreneurial teams how many of these things are we doing what are we already doing well where could be, there be opportunity for improvement so there's there are a number of ways of raising the awareness around this whole importance of entrepreneurialism um, and you know we give managers the resources to be able to do that themselves internally without needing to necessarily bring someone in and the word entrepreneur, how well is that word received in the workplace? Um, do managers like the fact that they're, they're calling themselves an entrepreneur or do senior leaders go, who do you think you are calling yourself an entrepreneur? I mean, what, what's, what's the language that people use if they don't use that word? And, and is that word well received or is it uh, judged in, in some way? Um, I think it's becoming increasingly well well received. I mean, there's still a lot of people who who don't know what it is, as I alluded to at the beginning. But I guess if they're not calling themselves entrepreneurs, other other language that they might use to refer to similar things would be uh, change makers, um, innovation drivers, transformation champions. You know, those sorts of titles that uh, imply that someone is really in a very active way um, gearing themselves towards moving the organization forward. So there are different ways of referring to it, but I think we're going to hear more about the term intrapreneur. And I would really hope that there would be no senior leaders who would who would say, well, who do you think you are if, you, if you're calling yourself an entrepreneur? I would like to think that most senior leaders have got enough um, awareness or at least desire to see the organisation move forward to at least try to find out what that is if they're not sure. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I guess it depends on your own internal temperament, how well you resonate with this whole concept of of pouring your creativity into innovation because 
it, 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 requires, it really is an internal drive, an internal motivation, isn't it? It very much is. And, and you'll find that entrepreneurs are those people who just bring their passion to work. Like they are just passionate about doing things better. You know, it's almost like they can't help themselves. You know, so they, they see a problem and they'll go, I think I've got a better way of doing it than that, or I think I can fix it. And very often entrepreneurs will use a huge amount of discretionary effort in in making things better that aren't even necessarily part of their own remit. You know, it may not be part of their core work that they need to do, but they they see a way of making something better and then they'll go to other people, collaborate with them, but they'll pour their heart and soul into something. And the other thing that they sometimes do uh, which pays off is what we'll call job crafting. So someone who is really passionate about something, they might find themselves over time being able to move into a particular space where they can do more of what they're passionate about and it, the organisation kind of adapts with them and towards them and leans in a bit. That's fantastic. I a great believer in that. And I've done job, I didn't know the word, but I've done job crafting with uh, different staff that worked for me. We might do a little list of all their tasks. And I'll say, if there's one task on this list that you'd least want to do, what is it? And then I would think about that and go, well, you know what, why don't I see if one other person in the organisation would like to take it on? And is there one thing that you like to do more of? And so we just kind of uh, worked out that she could do more of the thing that she liked and less of the things she, that she disliked. And it was easy to pass it on because not everybody <laughs> dislikes the, uh, the same things. Absolutely. Well, uh, I was just going to say you were probably everyone's dream leader. <laughs> to, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, just see, it's for me, it's empathy. I put myself in their shoes because, you see, I remember when I had a job in television and I was stuck in as a number cruncher doing the budget and I'd found a mentor somewhere else in the organisation to get a creative role, to be in the director's seat. And I was due to um, actually do the six-week production course. I mean, I was already a graduate of the film school, a six-week production course so I could do that within the organisation. And then when I followed up, he said, oh, no, it won't be for another year. They've cut our budget. And I went, Bye. I'm finding a job where I can be creative and I went self-employed. Yes. So See, I was an entrepreneur. Yes, exactly. Ship. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and, and this is why you really understand this concept so well, because that you actually had a lived experience with that, which might have been what prompted you to ask me the question before about, you know, what, what should organisations do to make sure that they keep their entrepreneurs and their internal entrepreneurs, which are the entrepreneurs. And, and you've just uh, given a beautiful example of what they should do, which is as much as possible, tap into the passion of their people. You know, when people are passionate about something, they will just pour their heart and soul into it and go above and beyond the call of duty because they love what they're doing. And it's the wise organisation that will find ways of being able to really harness that. So I love that, that story that you've just told. In your book, you talk about uh, the, the, the various types of uh, combining energy with self-leadership. 
And I really would like a bit of a definition of what is self-leadership. I mean, we call this podcast Manage Self because it's based on the concept of self-leadership. But how do you define it, Irina? Hmm. So for me, self-leadership is that capacity to tap into our skills and talents in a way that brings value to the organization so it's it's different if you've just got an idea but do nothing about it i think that's a lack of self-leadership whereas if you've got an idea and then you can set yourself some goals and you're prepared to do whatever needs to be done in order to bring those ideas to fruition. So that often means that we need to exercise a fair bit of self-discipline. We need to sometimes step out of our comfort zone to do things differently. We often need to uh, network and collaborate with other people, have conversations that might be a little bit uncomfortable. So there's all those things that challenge us to step up and level up and 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 really get ourselves into that sense of growth, um, that growth orientation space. I think a lot of that has to do with self leadership as well as being prepared to reflect on on our skills, where our gaps are, where our strengths are, understanding what we're good at, where we need help. Um, it's all of that great area of um, awareness of of ourselves and what really uh, drives us, what doesn't drive us, what we are prepared to do, where the lines are. So it's very much about self-knowledge and that capacity to act on our ideas in, in the growth, in a growth way. Um, because this, this podcast is for managers um, and aspiring managers, one of the, I, I believe, one of the greatest gifts that a manager can give to their team is to nurture and steward people into that space where they do reflect. So when they do have one-on-ones with their team members, asking the kinds of questions that prompt them into self-reflection. You know, what worked, what didn't work? What have you done recently that was really successful? Why was that so? What What's happened that didn't deliver the results that you were hoping for? Why was that so? What would you do differently next time round? You know, those sorts of questions that actually prompt the team members into doing that sort of sense of self-interrogation where they look at themselves without the rose-coloured glasses and are really honest and um, and and find out what does and doesn't work for them. That's one of the greatest gifts that a, a great manager can do for their team to really be almost like a talent curator, you know, um, helping all, uh, their team members to, to be represented in the best possible light um, through this process of, of heightened self-awareness. Ah, uh, that's fabulous, Irene. Well, we could we could go, talk for another half hour, but uh, we're sort of coming to a close. Just to finish off, where do people will people find Entrepreneur Magazine? So, if you just go to entrepreneurmagazine.com, yes, <laughs> you'll find and, it. And uh, I was at your book launch, and it wasn't too long ago. So, uh, is there another book on the way, or, or or this is it for the for the time being? There is definitely, in fact, there's another two books on the way. Um, <laughs> I toggle between the two of them when I'm writing, but the one that's specifically related to entrepreneurialism is going to be taking a much deeper dive into the qualities of entrepreneurs. We only just ba barely touched on that in a previous um, 
question that you asked me and I, I didn't really um, take a deep dive into it then, but it will be about the about what is it that defines an entrepreneur and I list out 12 qualities and we look at how entrepreneurs demonstrate those qualities. So there is another book on the way. Uh, I would like to think it'll be out this year. I've had a, 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 an educated friend of mine say, in a sense, because of COVID and the recovery after COVID, we need managers and leaders to think that in the next quarter, we've got to achieve what we would in the past have achieved in a year. So in the next year, we really have to aim to achieve what we would have achieved in four years because workplace ecosystems have been smashed. Yes. Some people are leaving jobs never to return to those jobs, even when the need is there. Yes. So we're going to have to um, gear up and train up new people that in a shorter amount of time, as Buckminster Fuller says, do more with less in less time, do more with less. So yes. we're just going to yes. have to do things faster and faster and go yes. quicker. Yes. Uh, Nina, and the only way that's going to happen is if organisations take take some of that 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 bureaucratic harnessing off the off employees and allow their energy and creativity to come to the fore because that's the only way they're going to move really fast if they're still dependent on the outdated chain of command of uh, you know everything's got to go through the layers of bureaucracy that's going to slow things down so much that they will not be able to move at the speed that they are going to need to move in order to stay relevant in this super VUCA world that we're living in and the only way to do that is to, <laughs> just unleash your entrepreneurs let them be part of the the journey contribute their ideas bring their perspectives bring their energy let them take action that's the way that organizations are going to you know re-energize themselves in order to last the distance for this very very uncertain future well let's finish off with both of us saying that what the four uh letters of VUCA stand for. It stands for the world is volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. Yes. Welcome to the super VUCA world. Thank you so much, Dr. Irina. It's been a true pleasure. Oh, what a lovely joy to, to be with you. Thank you, Nina. It's been a delight. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.